All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and Afaro, only seen here out of Indie Music Studio, straight out of Ron Cockham Long Island. My co-host, live in studio. Did you, do you recognize, is this the Faro? Did he make I'm, a change? Or? I'm the, I'm the bedazzled pharaoh today bedazzled pharaoh i got my hat i couldn't wear it backwards he does he does pull off the backwards look way better than i could i thought you should have went with them i know you I, did. I did it looked good but you made a mistake you should have went backwards tony what do you think <laughs> what do you think of the new co-host here today well she kind of different than the gals i grew up with i mean you know i'm from the hills of virginia and it's kind of hard to see a young lady like her that don't have a true red man out of in a jaw there that could skin a coon and shoot a shotgun and climb a tree <laughs> and walk behind a mule to eight hours a day, you know. But that's, you know, that's the type of women I grew up grew up around. Rough, tough. Bite your head off. Yeah, bite your head off. Beat you in the head with a, a rolling pin. But that, that this is nice. Oh, don't get it twisted. When Very he wakes nice. me up earlier than you 11 in the a, morning, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> I want to beat him a, with a rolling pin. Get a, a, a big old chew, a Chattanooga chew, to really, you know, add spice to it. Yeah. Did, did the women in Virginia have, like, lots of hair on their legs and stuff like that? Well, when I was young, which was a long time ago, I was raised in a town called Lomore, Virginia. They say I'm from Roanoke, but I was in my teens when my mother finally moved to uh, Roanoke. We live in, uh, 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 raised in Lomore, Clifton Forge, Covington area. And most of it was all farmland, so, you know, women's was pretty much as tough as men's. You know, they did the same work. They, you know, they plow field, they go cut trees, they go, you know, the father would teach the daughters how to hunt. You know, if you couldn't hunt, you didn't eat during the winter. Everybody didn't go out by meat because, they, you know, they slaughtered hogs, but even farmers that, that raised uh, animals didn't really eat their animals because they had to use that, them animals to, uh, 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 to sell to the market, so yeah, yeah, the, the women was, was pretty, 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 pretty tough, and and they still can be. I, I mean, I'm, the first time I saw strong women, I mean, incredibly strong women. I was at uh, Santa Monica Beach in uh, California, and uh, this girl to come in, they call her Pullo, like a pillow you lay your head on, and uh, oh, she walked over, pillow. walked over to the bench. <laughs> And she took 225 pounds off and started doing it for reps. Wow. Jesus. And that was the first time that, that I, this was in like 81, 82, where I saw a woman do over uh, 200, 200 pounds. And then Chana, of course, I seen her do like 365. Really? Yeah, yeah, on, on the bench. I, I, I was a with lot. a girl called... Uh, Amanda Storm. Wait, wait a minute. Did you say 365 on the 365, bench she did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I was like, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so I have seen some pretty, I, I would say the strongest woman I, I ever met because of her size. She was 100. I, I used to put on bench press contests to raise money for the fire department up in uh, uh, Lewis, the Maine, where we just had that mass shooting. Mm -hmm. But anyway, make a long story short, she was 114 pounds. And she bench pressed 275. Wow. So when they say the man is the strongest, pound for that. pound. <laughs> I yeah, that. I mean, I have met some, some, some very, very, because I've been in the fitness field for, for, for many years. And you take like, like Beth, Beth Francis, you know, she would lift an incredible weight in order to build, uh, to build that type of uh, a size and, and everything. And when you train at Gold Gym, you see women's moving. Sandy Raw, we call her, used to call her Master Sandy. She used to rep out 225 on the bench. Uh, I, I see women on the leg press, you know, no problem. A man storm would take a thousand pounds and do it for twenty reps. That I can do. Leg press, I can do about four thousand pounds. Really? Yeah. On the oh, yeah. you're pushing it with your legs, I can do. They a could lot be of strong. Women could be as strong as men if they. If, uh, we if push they out him in life. To... We're definitely stronger than you guys. Yeah. I met some very it's like strong pushing women, a watermelon yeah. through yeah. a straw. So that's why I said, you know, with the tobacco truck, for me it. It wouldn't, you know, I was raised on the farm with rough, tough women. I was raised by a rough, tough mom. Worked out in the gym with rough, tough women. I was the, uh, 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 Bob, uh, who was it? Uh, yeah, Bob Orton Jr., Bob Orton Sr., life was saved by a woman, Moolah. They get in a bar fight. The guy come up to him, was going to stick him, and Moolah 
bust a, a beer bottle over the guy here. Moolah used to fight guys in bars and stuff. I'm sure you hear that before. So, you know. I don't think I would trust anyone. I see it in the restaurant. <laughs> That's what so, I would stay away from that. You know, they have a bar fight. That, you know, I think Mae Young probably was the toughest woman I've ever met in my life. I mean, she was, in her younger days, you know, she would take on guys, you know. So are you telling me they had hairy legs too? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, what happened? Did they have hairy legs? Did they have hairy legs? Who? The women. The women, May Young. We all got hairy legs unless you shave them. <laughs> Who true. don't have hairy legs? That's that, true. That razor blade, you know. I don't know. Coming off that I got that a blade. beard, but if I shave it, I ain't going to have no beard. How do you feel about hairy legs on a woman? I think a woman should be what the hell she want to be. Wow. What about I, I can't judge a woman. What if I had like a full like, I could care less. like don't arm me. hair? Like... Don't bother me. Don't really? Bother me. Wow. If that's what she wants. I mean, you know how, you know how, would you be okay with that? You, you, know, no. you know how weird my ass is. <laughs> no, but I, you look, talk about the, no, you talk I, underst about the I, I understand you letting the freedom, like, hey, people yeah. be any which way you want to be. Don't but I'm asking me. Tony Atlas, what does he prefer? Does he prefer non shaven? Does he prefer. Using the weed whacker made from Manscape. I never met. Oh. Well, I I never met. Shave a off woman. the cobwebs. I never met a woman with hairy legs. So I I, I never. Don't look at my legs I, tonight. I, 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 I never seen it. You know, I, most women shave their legs. So, so we, I don't think anybody ever seen a we woman. We only with shave legs. our legs I mean, and we, we think we're getting that, some. If we saw that, we probably freak out. I mean, I've, I've been living. You know, over a half a century, and I've never seen a woman with hairy legs. Never seen it. Mm. I wish I. So I, I think it's hard to judge how I would feel about it when I never experienced it. Wow. You know, I would like to see a woman with hairy legs, just see what it want to look like. It's, I, it's. I can tell I you. You trust me, right? You're not missing anything. Trust no. me. No. It's yep. scary. Yep. It's really. You scary. know what's scary? I don't like men that shave their legs. Really? I don't like it. Why not? I think I think certain body hair should be on men. I good. shave my underarms. Honestly, I do. I got no hair on them. No, underarms. I want a little for no. a guy. I don't want. I don't. I don't want back hair. I don't want neck hair. No shoulder hair. Keep your arm hair. Keep your leg hair. Keep your pit hair. Pit hair? No. I'm telling you, it, it keeps. It's clean. You trim it. it smell. No, you just you get rid of it. You have it like hanging down. In little... fact, any hair is too much, right? Like hair on a beard is fine. Like underarm stuff like that. I get a little. All right, we're gonna hit some news items and then we'll get to the Hall of Famer, Mr. Tony Alice, which it's been a year. I love you, Tony. Tony's in town for the big event with us. Yay! And so is my co-host. Oh, Finally meeting good each other in person. <laughs> Abe came over. They all saw each other. It's like we're like one big family. It's beautiful. Anyway, mystery of the stick man on you know Led Zeppelin. I know. Who? Okay, Led Zeppelin album cover is finally solved. After more than a half a century, the identity of the elderly stick-carrying man featured in the Led Zeppelin 5 album. I think it's 5. Am I right there, Chris? It's 5, right? Yeah. Thank you. Chris is uh, the owner of the station and also... I was saying, music, a music buff. Top Billboard 40, 10, I think 20. He's had a lot of hits on there. Okay, we, we need to get me some auto-tunes so I can start hitting charts. <laughs> <laughs> the stick man who featured... <laughs> <laughs> the stick man. If, listen, if you could use auto tune, I think I could be a hit. What do you think? I got the bedazzled hat. Okay, it's <laughs> on me. Featured on the cover of this English rock band Led Zeppelin. Um, so it ends up being that this guy was from Wilshire and was born in 1823. I don't even know why I put where, this on. Where did they come up with this I don't know. Stuff? Why, I don't even know why I brought this up, honestly. You know what? You're like me. I consider myself like a snavel cap. I'm like, it's factual, but it's some useless information that really I found useless out. Information. And I have very limited brain space, right? As I get older, it's like I got to really watch what I try to retain. Oh, I retain too much. And I'm like, they're awfully white. I have, Thank I've you. now noticed this, being that I'm on this you got some white teeth. I use a... I, I like white teeth. I'm one of those, like, Instagram buyers. Yeah. So, high smile. That stuff smile. that you see them clean the toilets with. Right. The toilets with. <laughs> like, it really whitens your teeth. Like, it's purple goo. And I was like, nah, stuff's not going to work. And I use and it. Works. it. And it works really good. There's nothing better than white. You like white teeth, Tony? Who? White teeth. Teeth. White teeth. teeth. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. White teeth are nice. Yeah. yeah. Yellow brown, okay? No, white is Man, you're killing me right now. Oh my god. A lunch host. Take what Hannah tell you. A lunch host is here. 
I guess so. You are gonna I make guess so. you my whole man. weekend. You, you all right, Tony? You're you gotta right. Take what come your way. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> oh no, no, you can't be. You if you're my take... age, you're lucky enough to find someone with a full set of teeth. You're in good shape, right? Hell, I had to pay women to step on my face. <laughs> I can't even get that free. They walk on the ground. They walk on steps. If I want them to walk on me, you got some money. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Why has everything got to be about money, You got to pay them just to put their foot on them. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. Listen, Liza Minnelli. Think about it. They walk on the ground, walk walk in mud, walk in everything. But won't walk on your face. But won't walk on Tony. That's that's ridiculous. It should be, you know, this should be a law. It should be a law against that. I think so. It pisses me off. I should be able to have them arrested and and. and Why do I feel like I'm getting dagger eyes? You are getting a little dagger eyes. Put them in jail and they have to serve at least a good five or six years of walking on Tony. Oh my goodness. That's a great idea. And sleekers. I think that's no, a great I got, idea. I got the lyrics no, on that today. No, that reminds me of church. <laughs> when I see a woman heel, I think about going to church. So you can't have heels on your face. Well, see, but you got to realize the time I was born, the only time I was raised in the country, a women woman wore flat shoulders. The, the only time, the only time I would see a woman in high heels is when they went to church. Mm. Or they were streetwalkers. And then they, and they and heels <laughs> hurt women. And I don't like to hurt women. So I know they're in pain because my mother used to come on with them heels and she kicked them all the way across the room. And she'd go, whoo, boy, that feel good. Honestly? Take, I mean, that the first thing she did when she got in the house, she would kick them heels off with her. And she would say I this. Like heels a woman, A woman did not create these shoes. Mm. No, no, no. It's definitely, yeah. With a woman me, did not create heels. I, I love wearing heels. I feel more comfortable well, in heels. Right. I, 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 Sneakers, I'm like, yo. You go, but then those have things stink. Singing hymns. <laughs> Now, you, you understand that we've got a Hall of Famer here, and we're talking about leg hair, white teeth. It's, a, it's against the law to not armpits. step on your face. Here, you know, hairy legs and hairy armpits. I want, I want you guys to weigh on on this. A lunch host is accused of killing her ex-husband's parents and aunt with poisonous mushrooms. I love the mushrooms. host of the weekend family lunch at her Australian country home was charged Thursday with murdering her ex-husband's parents and aunt with poisonous mushrooms. And attempting to murder the fourth guest, police said. Police arrested Erin Patterson, 49, at her home in Victoria State Town, where her former husband's parents, Gail and Don Patterson, both 70, Gail's sister, Heather Wilkerson, 66, and Wilkerson's husband, Ian Wilkerson, 68, were invited for lunch. And she killed them with mushrooms. What do you think? Wait, so they all live together? Is yeah. that what I'm hearing? Yeah. When you're 49 with a boyfriend and you live with the parents, that's already, I would have killed myself. Like, <laughs> you would have ate your own mushrooms? I would have ate my own mushrooms. Like, where's my life gone? Like, <laughs> like what has happened to me? That's probably what she was doing. Like, fuck this shit. Yeah, I'm done. Like, Cut I'm those dying. mushrooms. I'm killing myself. Tony, what do you think? Oh, look at the mean looks. Like <laughs> oh. oh, God. Tony's like, I should have stayed in Maine this week. Will you uh, take human life? Right. You just took all that person ever had or ever will have. You know, uh, even if no matter what caused a person to lose their life, hit, hit by a car, mushrooms, gun violence, no matter what, it's... Uh, Sad. Mm. Of course, yeah. You know, because somebody just lost, and especially if you did it to your parents. I mean, my mom worked from 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night to raise us kids. Never had a new pair of shoes, never had a new dress. She had one dress that she put put on to go to church on Sunday. And when I see the struggle that my mom went through, and then when my daughter was born, I saw the, the pain and the struggle that, that my ex-wife went through giving my daughter birth, you know, over 20 hours given, you know, in labor. So when I think about, no matter what the cause, when I think about somebody losing their life over dumb shit, you, you, you know, this idiotic, uncaring, selfish, low-life, so-called humans, Subhumans. When you think so little of a human being life, you subhuman. You don't have a soul no more. You don't have a conscience. 
That's it. <laughs> well, I am the bad guy. Wow, way it, to go, Daniel. I made no, it in sensitive way, go, I am so... <laughs> way to take the air out of the room, you know, what? Kill I'll take this one. What? Leave. I'll take this one. Leave. The same thing that guys that beat their wife. If you ain't getting love of your wife, leave. You're right. No, that's Get the true. hell out of it. If you, if you can't live with a person... Relationship is like, I got a shoe fetish, so everything I say to deal with shoe. You may walk into a store. You see a beautiful pair of shoes in a size 8, but you wear a 10. No matter how much you're going to, even if you got your foot in them shoes, even if you got your foot in them, they're going to hurt your feet the longer you wear them. Mm. They don't fit you. No matter how much you want them shoes, they don't fit you. You have to get what fits you, what you're comfortable with. You know, everything look good until you try to live with it. I don't care what a woman look like. If I can't live with you, I, I can't. You can't do me no good. I actually feel the what same the way about that. What the hell is happening? It's kind of like, kinda like I never drove a standard a day in my life. You could buy me a brand new Ferrari, but it's a standard. Ain't doing me no good. If it's automatic, I could drive it. A standard. I don't care how how good it look. I can't drive it. If if I can't live with a woman, she could be the most gorgeous, most sexiest woman walking the face of her. I don't need, I could do bad by myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. do bad by myself. If I can't live with her, hey, you, you can have her. You go right here. I had a girlfriend one time that I, I came in on, and she was in bed with another guy. So the guy got scared, thought I was going to beat oh my him goodness. up. You know, just when I was, you know, all jacked and everything. I sat down, I, I went over, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? <laughs> And he was just shocked. She got mad at me because I didn't get mad. I said, what the hell I would get mad about? You want to be with me? He, he said, well, I leave y'all to talk this over. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You take her with you. She's yours now. Nice. Nice. Uh, no, no, you take <laughs> her <journey>. with you. <laughs> My contribution. She, she volunteered to be with him. Wow. I'm out working, traveling up and down the highway, trying to make a living for, come from us. The show got canceled because of, because of snow. I hopped an airplane, flew to L.A., Back then, you know, you, you didn't need all that, didn't have to make all that reservation there. You just throw the money on the counter, they give you a ticket, you jump on the plane. We were I, talking I, about that I earlier. I flew from Allentown, from Philadelphia Airport, all the way to L.A., walked into the house, and she with someone else. I said, oh, no, you take her with you. She's yours now. Ain't man's no more. Man's wouldn't do that. Very nice. No matter how much I wanted her, I just couldn't have it. That's it. Have you ever walked in on anyone like that? No. I wanted I to sing like <laughs> I wanted to sing I like the Elvis. I into the fucking canal. <laughs> you know, I always, Marty, I always wanted to look like The Rock and sing like Elvis. Didn't yeah. happen. No, I got gotcha. you. So I, I ended up with a kisser on her mother color. But it's my kisser. That's it. Yeah. You know what? Seriously, you said you walked in, right, and you got pissed off. Yeah. I kind of agree with Tony. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. No, so, no, it no I was calm. I was calm. I was Why? very calm. But if, I was like don't, that, if they don't want you, they don't calm. want you. <laughs> I was like, let's see her walk out That's of right. my house. Well, yeah. <laughs> because sometimes we take what's called a stupid pill. If somebody don't want you, they don't want you. Right. Ain't nothing you're going to do to make them want you. I don't like okra. Do that, that okra. I thought he said Oprah. You said oh my Oprah, God! Right? I oh, he said it, Oprah. It, it, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Gotcha. That, yeah, that is a vet. Is a veggie. Okra. Yeah, yeah it's, I it's know vegetable. it's vegetable. I just couldn't. I just don't like. I can't eat it. I eat chitlins, which is pig intestines. So. <laughs> a lot of people. I, I don't pig. like chitlins either. <laughs> I eat pig intestines. <laughs> Yummy. Yummy. <laughs> 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 But I won't eat Oprah. <laughs> oh my God. What the hell is wrong with me? I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I honestly. <laughs> Listen, I can tell some stories, right? All right. So, so, all right. We're gonna, uh, I'd like to thank the band that sings the theme song for Monty and the Farrow. Remember Jimmy Farrow? Yes. Our own what are you Jimmy, talking about? I'm Jimmy Farrow <laughs> Our own Jimmy Farrow, along with his partner, Bart, Bart Griggs, make up the band Wisteria Hall. Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as In My Dreams, This Life, Not Far Behind, Here Comes the Rain. You can find their music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page. And if you go to YouTube, hit that like and subscribe. Boop. Go to Spotify, Boop. Apple Music, Boop. Reverb Nation. <laughs> and if you didn't know, the great Tony Atlas is on our couch. This is Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Farrow. We also have a YouTube page where we want to hit that like and subscribe. 
and rewatch us and rewatch us and rewatch us. Catch <laughs> us on our Facebook Live page. Hear us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV. And the New York Channel 115 every Tuesday at 9.30, Saturday at 11.30, and Channel 20 at 7 p.m. Tony, we're also on something called the Intuitive Network. It's a free app, right? So if you're on your phone, you want to watch a free movie, it's right there. I-N-2-I-T-I-V-E Network, where... Guess what? If it's free, it's for me, and I'm all about it. We'll be right back where all the fans want to hear from Tony Atlas, uh, which you haven't been on the show in a long time. I consider you a close friend. You're a good man. You've always treated the show well. You've treated myself well. I already love him, and I just met him like an hour ago. How can't you love this man? (laughs) So right after this commercial break, we're going to ask you a few questions. You ready to answer some questions? All right, we'll be right back after this break, Daniela. Come back! Come see us! Manscape. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, have you tried the new equipment that's been sent? I'm afraid because it says Weed Whacker. I'm scared. Maven, Manscaped. What are you thinking about Love Manscaped, it. dude? You Love it. What do you use it for? Necessity. What don't I use it for? Put it this way. The only hair <laughs> I have on my entire body is these eyebrows. Yeah. That oh. you see. These wow. caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. That is it. That's all, that's all I have. And that's all I want. That's the So, pa- Manscaped. It's a must. We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse than just hair. Yeah. Right? Hair on a woman, hair on a man. It's just bad. Absolutely. And it's the one thing that the older I get, it starts growing more in unwanted areas. Absolutely. I hate it. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh Uh-oh. Just going to go out there. Oh, boy. Go for it. You're doing a deed. Yes. (laughs) Again, I don't want you to have to admit this because we... As men, we try not to admit this, but if you're going to go do the deed on a woman, would you rather have her be hairless or a little hair, racing stripe, or (laughs) full (laughs) retro bush? Racing stripe. Retro bush is out. Yes, thank you. Retro bush is out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a small, well-manicured landing strip. (laughs) Every now and then, if it's completely, and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, Mm. Then I, I start, where is that pedophilia line that yeah. I'm, that I'm, I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that. That's very interesting. Like that. I never thought about wow. that. You're a smart dude. Holy yeah. shit. So if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly, you're cool with that. If the landing strip is, has, like I said, well manicured, yeah. you yeah. can see both sides. It's not like blinking lights on both sides of that. Landing? I just don't, I don't want, <laughs> you know, I don't want the shrubbery going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that. Gotcha. As well. Oh, yeah, look but what you found. Ooh, I got to be all honest gotcha. though. Hey, the, ah. the, the older I get though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, I as, found as, it. Have, I found have it. Have you ever gone down there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? Then what is retro? Just, Absolutely. Retro? You're like whoa. Wow. Yeah, like, I'm 46, like it pops out. Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, try, I muster through. I muster up the courage to get through. Trooper. Yeah. He's a trooper. <laughs> got to give him an yeah, Not all. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I, there you no, go. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> listen, can't, I couldn't. I Super couldn't Bush. say. I couldn't say. Well, <laughs> if you have the same beliefs as Maven does, Manscaped could help you. Absolutely. The weed whacker. Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to like you know go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the weed whacker for a little while. Yeah, I think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. But with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We will see you in a dropkick second. A dropkick. All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty DeFaro, only seen here out of the great indie music TV out of Ron Cockamore, Long Island, where my co-hosts come from the computer and she's sitting right in the chair. Video killed the radio Oh, Jesus. So let me ask you, when, when someone, like cause with women, right, they say the beautiful co-host, right? Isn't that offensive? Like, why does a man have to say someone's beautiful? Can't they say, my co-host? Feed me bullshit. Feed me lies. Tell me sweet little Tony lies. Atlas, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you? Tony, how you been? You good gorgeous man, you. Uh, See, it sounds good when how, I how, it. It does. How's Monica first, more importantly? My, my wife, Monica, is everybody knowing. 2019, she had a uh, she had a stroke, and uh, 
she's right now is in uh, Deville uh, rehab, and uh, from one to seven every day that I'm not uh, uh, on the road, I, I go to set with my wife, and I took over her uh, her therapy because uh, they don't only give you therapy uh, for a certain length of time, and after that period of time, they they would cut off uh, doing therapy. But I give her the therapy because the, the human body meant to move, and if her body don't move, then she she be in pain. So I I got certain exercise that I worked out uh, that I help her. Some exercise we do in bed, then I got exercise we do when she's out of bed, and uh, so you know we are we stay together, we still love each other with everything you know that are uh, in us, and uh, I would never leave her. I would never forsake her, and I'm again. always going to be there by her side. So she was there for me when nobody else were, as, as you know. Everybody knows, you know. If it wasn't, I would have died 35 years ago if it wasn't for her. So the only reason I'm sitting here right now is because of my wife, Monica. Y'all be talking about me like you talk about all the other wrestlers that passed away, but she literally saved my life, you know. I, I, mean, I don't want to get too personal on it, but, you know, we're, we're all getting up there in age, right? You can't stop it. I mean, how difficult is is it for you to think about living and not having Monica with you? Is that is that something you try to avoid? I try about? not to think about it. I, I try every day not to think about that. You can see, but that it'd be, you it'd love be hard her so much because I, uh, we live for each other, right? You know, I live for her; she lives for me. Mm. You know. See, uh, I met three women in my whole life that cared about me, three. My mother, my grandmother, and Monica. And the thing about it, there was not one woman in the United States of America that cared about me. Not one that I met. And all the women I met, all the places I've been, didn't find not one American woman that cared about me. The woman that cared about me was born in Berlin, Germany, in 1941. She came all the way from Berlin, Germany, to America and fell in love with old Tony Atlas. And when she met me, I didn't have a pot to piss in and a wonder to throw it out of. Didn't even know who I were. And I said, what made you like me? She said, I looked into your eyes and I saw something I liked. She said, it was your eyes. She said, I knew you needed help. I knew you needed somebody. And she said, I knew you were a very trusting person. And you're, you're a person that I could trust. And she just told me my whole life history the first day she met me. Mm. Three months after I met her, I married her. This is why I'm a hopeless romantic Three months. because of men like and we've been And we've been married now for 35 years. It only took me three months before I knew I want to marry that woman. They say a man knows when he knows. Like it could be a week, it could be a year, but when you know, you know. Well, you where my mom would say, a friend in need is a friend indeed. Everybody is your friend when you're on top of the world, but when you when you hit rock bottom, not to bring it up when when Brody got killed, I I I don't want to bad my people. I'm the only one in that dress room that did something. The whole dress room was full of wrestlers. Nobody did nothing. When a, 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 when a heart fell from that ceiling, and you can see the, the, nobody did nothing. When, when something happened to you, that's when you know who cares about you. Would anybody be your friend as long as you don't need something? A Take friend in need is a friend in need, but a friend would come, to your, would come to your rescue. You know, my wife, uh, if somebody told her now your husband in trouble, she would crawl out of her bed to try to get to me, you know. That, that's when you know when people really care about you when the shit hit the fan. When I was with the WWE back to uh, training with Mark Henry, hey, Tony, hey, Tony, hey, hey, The next day, Vince said, Tony, your service are no longer needed. I called the phone, no, no answer. Call, no answer, no answer. You ever notice wrestlers stop talking to each other after they leave the business? Mm -hmm. And then they see each other at these big events. Hey, how you been? I like ain't hear from you. Like they just saw each well, other you yesterday. Got my <laughs> you had my number for 20 freaking years. And they say, why ain't I hear from you in years? Well, I wonder why. 
because you're not there anymore. Mm. When Hulk Hogan was on top of the world, I remember the guys in the dressing room with the, the one that laced his boots up. You know, Hogan couldn't do no wrong. Kiss his butt, buy a drink, everything. All of a sudden, Hogan get in trouble, and every wrestler in the world turned it back on him. You know, with that incident. But he's supposed to be all the free. He helped a lot of these guys, you know, like Vince McMahon. I got to give him credit. He helped. He gave uh, opportunity to people that probably would have never got it. But as soon as they, they, they won a, a contract came out where you go sue the WWE for concussions, whether you work there or not. <laughs> what? That list filled up in about a week. That list was full. And these were people that didn't have no name. Vince took them in, made them rich. Made them rich. And then as soon as he let them go, they started putting the knife in his back. You know? See, Vince didn't screw Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas screwed Tony Atlas. Yeah. But I cannot hold the record. I was fired and hired more time by Vince than anybody. <laughs> Most people, they fire their own comeback. He fired Rocket. Rocket never saw WWE again. I've, as you know, been back several times. He fired me again, but he made me back again. And then I do something goofy. He let me go again. But you know, you you, you set your own. Uh, you let you pay your own way in life. You know, uh, you're the captain of your own ship. You have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, yeah. What you do in the past gonna affect your future. If you if you screw up in school, you're not gonna get to college, and you're not gonna get a good job. My mom. I, I can come and work for. I can come and work for 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 Marty, and uh, a, a year later, a big time producer. Hey, Marty, uh, we're looking for a wrestler to to be in this movie. We're gonna pay him a million dollars. But I screw you. You said, well, I done been with Tony before. They jerk me around. You you can hire me if you want. I'm not telling you not to. But my experience with him, he's he's not to be trusted. It follows you. You know your your past got a way of, 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 of especially in today's time because everybody everybody today is a, is a is a reporter. You know, I I told one guy about my foot fetish, and next I know two million people knew the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Two million people the next day. I said, dang. Well, it didn't help that you put it on TikTok. How many hits yes, did you get on that you thing? Put Wait, you put it on TikTok? <laughs> Is it on TikTok? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got a million hits. I didn't put it on on nothing. I gave it to a couple of friends, and they put it out there. What was it? It's like, what, two in two uh He was two going days? in with the accountability. Like, now he's like, I gave million, it to friends. They put it out there. <laughs> yeah. So... I noticed, you, you know, Jimmy's not here, right? Jimmy moved to Florida to go right. live with, uh, I guess, the love of his life, Wahoo McDaniel's widow. Um, so in another interesting love story that comes out of this show. So I love the look. Like, honestly, he brought a woman on, and I feel like it's just been really sentimental. Like, I'm a hopeless romantic. And he's like, ah, oh, you got to stop with this stuff. And then I hear things like this, and I'm like, see? She would... Like, look at him. He's like, she changed me. She made me want to be better. She made, like, I love that. And I love that. I feel when you get with someone, you, they should be your best friend. Everyone else doesn't matter because I have my best friend and I also have my lover. So that's what, like, just hearing, like, things like that, especially with your accountability. You're like, hey, I got fired because of me, not because of him, because of me, but also... She 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 was willing to take me at my worst, so she deserves me at my best. Yeah. And I love hearing that. Yeah. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna find my my what do they call it? What's the Netflix series? Twin Five? <laughs> Twin Flame? <laughs> one day, one day. Yeah, I love myself too much. <laughs> any 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 Wahoo McDaniel stories? <laughs> Why wow, it's been so long. Well, this one need to be told. <clears throat> when I first started, I started with called Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was uh, the Crockett's used to run it. David, Jim Crockett, and uh, 
I even got a, I even had a picture of I think I gave you one, Marty. I had a, I used to carry my little high school gym bag that I put my boots and everything in. And uh, the first pair of boots was Carl and Hillegard. And it was real flat on the bottom. It had no art support or nothing. So I was staying at the YMCA. And the only day all the rest of them, when they first come into town, the YMCA would have rooms. So it was like 100 bucks, $75 for the whole, whole month. You know, it was just a bed. You had to share uh, uh, showers, and the bathroom was like they had a bathroom and a shower on each floor. So uh, they, they would put you in the YMCA downstairs. They had a gym, you know, handball court. The guys used to come. A lot of guys like George Scott, them all them old Canadians. They love playing handball, you know. And so anyway, Wahoo, would, I was going to ride with Wahoo for the first time. You know, he's a a big star. Him and uh, uh, he was a Mid-Atlantic champion, U.S. champion, and everything. So uh, <clears throat> I lost my bag, and I was carrying my stuff in a brown paper bag, my boots and trunk. And so I go to get in the car. Wahoo said, don't bring that bag in my car. Throw it away. I said, Wahoo, just my, throw it away. So just, I just started. I'm not going to disobey him. So I took it and hid it behind the trash can. I said, I get it when I come back, you know. <laughs> Go throw in my boots and stuff. Damn, he's really gonna so, do uh, it. so anyway, we drive to the town, and I'm sitting there. What I'm gonna rest in? So we go to open up the trunk. Wahoo grab his bag. He said, "Get your bag." I go, "What? Get your bag." So I reach in. It was a big yellow uh, MFL uh, uh, bag from I think the Dolphin of what he would play for. The Jets. The Jets was the mm. Jets. And it had the, the, the signal on. On the inside was uh, three brand new pairs of trunks, some nice uh, pairs of boots, and a, a, a robe, and a, 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 a cosmetic kit. He said, if you're going to be in this business, you got to look like a wrestler. I said, why, who? Well, it's yours, kid. Wow. You know, that that's one of the stories. Now, there's some crazy stories about Wahoo, you know, that uh, Wahoo those. would fight in a drop <laughs> of a hat. You know, I, he told me one time we were a tag team in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We're walking down the aisle. Wahoo's, I'm, I'm Wahoo tag team partner. He said, walk behind me. He said, what the fans would do, they pull out his feathers. See, the, 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 the headgear he wore was original stuff. It was not, you know, that cheap stuff. That, the, the tribe he's from, they made that for him. So he was very, very proud of it. So the fans want one of them feathers. But he got to the ring in some of these shows, half of his father was gone. Used to really, really piss him off. So this one guy pulled out one of Wahoo feathers. Wahoo saw him. Wahoo grabbed him and pulled him over the rail and just beat him halfway senseless. Wow. They took the guy back in the back because he was not completely out. He, he laid on a... <laughs> uh, the, whatever that thing, the girl. The gurney. Me and Wahoo, we go have our match. The guy come back. Wahoo see the guy and say, what the hell he doing there? They say, he waiting for the ambulance. Wahoo take me, beat him up, and throw him out the door again. Oh, my God. Wow. That was back in the day when they could get away That's, with stuff. But, back <laughs> then, <laughs> but see, back then, you could beat up the fans. That's what I say, when you could get away yeah, with Yeah, yeah, you stuff. could get away with that back, back then. Some fans be grabby and fact, stuff. In fact, the fans wanted you mm. to. Because, see, back in our day, people didn't know if it was legitimate or not. Because we use in our day, which they don't use, what we call ring psychology. Nobody knows that because it, it ain't taught no more. Ring psychology is uh, confusion. When I first started in 1975, my first match, they, they wouldn't give you a match. You, you would travel. You could do what they call dark matches. You help put up the ring. You watch every match. And everything they fantasy. Tonight you're gonna have your match, kid. You're gonna have your match tonight. So my George Scott walked me out on the back of there and Anderson South Carolina and said, Tony, you see all them people out there? I go, Yeah. He said, Everybody out there believe that wrestling is fake. It is your job to prove to them that it's not. By all means possible. So I wrestled and and the guy in the older days. When you're a new kid on the block, they had they would rib you. You got ribbed a lot, and they were stiff with you. What's they, that? They, they, they would stretch you. 
They, they wouldn't give you nothing because the way they feel, I've been in this business for 10 years, 15 years. Here this young kid coming in and getting a push, and I ain't got a push yet. Uh, so so I was in the ring with Bob Breggers against Art Nelson, who had a back like this, and the Blue Scorpion. I don't know who the Blue Scorpion so when Breger got in, they worked with him. I mean, he, they flying all over the way. When I get in, they started shooting with me. Everything was a shoot. They wouldn't work with me. The reason was they didn't know if I was going to stick with the bin, and they were afraid that if they told them what really went on, I would go tell other people. So they want to make good and show you're going to stick with the business. So finally, I got Art, uh, Art Nelson in a headlock. Finally. And I was not going to let him go. And I squeeze and I squeeze. I'm I'm not smart yet. I, I don't know if this is they had nobody worked with me, so I, I'm, I'm still not smart. So I squeeze out Nelson. So I go back in the back. I can't say the word what they say because you get to kick off the air. <laughs> but he said, George, I want you to smarten that stupid blank up, cause the next time he get me in that headlock, he's he's too strong. I'm gonna. He pulled out an arm at 45. He said, I'm going to blow his head off. So George Scott said, Tony, tomorrow we're going to teach you how to work. I said, Mr. Scott, I don't want to work. I want to be a wrestler. They wouldn't spot you up right away. And then you work with a lot of these older guys. They wouldn't give you nothing. You know, like the prime example, I always use Johnny Ross. With Johnny Ross, he didn't care who he was going over. If you could not fight in real life, Johnny Rod would beat the crap out of you. And what Vince would senior would do the your first day when you first come to the WWF WWF back there, they put you in the way with Johnny Rod. And Johnny Rod would show you if you could take care of yourself. I'm on one time I didn't know what it mean by taking care of yourself. I used to let people call the match. You know, made me look stupid. And uh, George Scott's a kid. You got to learn to take care of yourself out there. You got to take care of yourself uh, uh, out there. So I was wrestling George Two-Turn Harris one night. And every time I started making a comeback, George Harris said, not yet, kid. Not yet, kid. So back then, you had to do a 15-minute match. Go don't have six matches. That's a long yeah, yeah, don't time. have six matches. They didn't have 101 matches like they do now. Oh. So when I got back to the, the George Scott, the Rick and Steamboat loved this story. Rick is, you ever talk to Rick and Steve? Well, this is his favorite Tony Atlas story. So George Scott said, look, Tony, you're getting over real good because of your physique. The people really like you. So I'm going to bring you back next month against the U.S. champion, Black Jack Mulligan. He said, there's going to be some good money for you in that match. It's going to be a semi-final match. They had a main event, semi-main, intermission, and then they would have uh, three other, four other matches, under the undercard matches. But anyway, I'm I wrestled George Harris. He go, I'm going to go over. I'm going over me. I'm going to win. So every time I go to make a comeback, now George Scott said, Tony, I want you to look good out there tonight. I want you to shine. I really want you to shine tonight. You hear me? I go, yes, sir. I'm going to shine tonight. I'm going to shine. So I get in the ring. Every time I go to make a comeback, Buck Harris said, not yet, kid. Not yet. So I don't do nothing. Not yet, kid. Not yet, kid. I don't do nothing. Finally, about 13 minutes ago, I got two minutes left in the match. So he said, okay, kid, you can start your comeback now. So my comeback, before I came to WWF, Vince Sr. gave me the finish on the press slam. I, I press slam slaughter, and Vince saw it. He said, from now on, that's your finish. But when I first came to New York, my sleep, my finish was a sleeper hole. I put the sleeper. So he threw me in the rope. I leapfrogged him, leapfrogged him, gave him two drop kicks, threw him in, put him in the sleeper. I'm happy. I come back to my George I said, what the hell happened? I said, what? He said, I want you to shine, kid. You didn't shine. He said, I want you to look good. You didn't shine. I said, what do you mean I didn't shine? I used a half a bottle of baby oil. <laughs> I didn't know what he meant. Right. Because they didn't smarten you up right away. It was You got smartened to the business gradually. That way, if you quit the business, you can't expose them. And laying in, you hear the term, laying in, kid. That means do it for real. Right. Like, especially when you're on the outside, because people is right there. So you can't throw the, the punches they, you know, punches. Another time, I got in trouble for throwing too many punches. You know how these, these guys get in the ring and get up on the top rope 
and to punch a guy in the head ten times, and the people count. But when they get in the car and they drive home, they reevaluate what they saw. They say, well, you know that's fake. You know that that, that, that really didn't happen. I've done that. Ole Anderson and George Chapter I said, Tony, if you ever do it again, I'm going to fire you. He said, don't nobody on, in, sitting out there believe that a guy that could bench press 600 pounds, 23 and a half inch on, built like a Greek god, can hit somebody in the head 10 times and don't even leave a scratch. He said, if his wife hit him in the head 10 times, she would probably knock him out. She said, either he the toughest SOB walking the, 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 the face of the earth, or you the biggest wimp the world ever seen. Most wrestlers think the more that they do to their opponent, the more they do, the better to get them over. The more you do to your opponent, the, the weaker you look. For a guy that was 270, 80 pounds like I were to punch you 10 times and not even leave a scratch, what does that say about my punching? If I got to give you 100, uh, 101 moves to beat you, I ain't that tough. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. That's why the guys did less because we believe sometimes less is more. What it is, a move is only as good as your opponent sells it. If I do a a, a devastating move to you and you get up, it don't mean nothing once you get up. Because you're up. You're kind of like the Superman movie. I shoot you with a 22, the bullet bounce off. uh, A 38 bullet bounce off. What good is the gun against Superman? People don't sell. They don't understand psychology. People want to believe. But when they watch the matches, the matches tell them all day long it's not real. Mm. Dick Murdoch, one time I worked with old Dick Murdoch, and I'm working his arm. I'm working his arm. So now he's going to get some heat on me. So he raked my eye. And with the arm I was beating on, he hit me with that hand, and he grabbed it right away and sold it. And he took that hand and put it inside of his trunk, and he never used that arm the whole night. People started looking and said, well, I think his arm is really hurt. People would work your leg, then pick you up and have you run across the ring. <laughs> That's why people don't ask, is wrestling fake no more? Because once they watch the match, they know it is. There's no psychology because there was nobody around. The Vince got rid of all the old timers that knew psychology. You know what we call ring psychology. Ring psychology is turning fantasy into reality. They know how to sell it. You know, turning fantasy into reality. You going in believing, believing that it's not real, but you leaving out wondering where well, maybe it is. That's what made them come back. They didn't come. Back, they came back, and we ran the same. Vince couldn't do today what we done. We would run the same town every week and sell it out. Every week. He couldn't do that. Mm. Because people don't believe in his product. He got, when you, when you got Hogswallow beating Mark Henry, who in the F is going to believe that? It's not believable. You understand what I'm saying? That there was a lot of good wrestlers when I was there with Mark Henry. I look at some of these guys. I would say back in the seventies, that was. Can you imagine? They asked Andre the Giant to do that. Hawk swallow pin him. What would Andre say? Andre Giant. Drink, don't lose to midget. And that would be it. Well, it's like what, what Zane, uh, Andre, Sammy don't Zane lose and stuff to whenever midget. they do those matches. I'm like, really, dude? I mean, it's nice for the underdog to kind of get a little bit, but I'm just like, you would never in a real match beat the shit out of well, him. See, now in the older days, the reason you couldn't do that because back in the old days, the fans would try you, especially in Louisiana. Right. You get out there in Louisiana all you want to say, Hey, you want something, you get in the ring, you have 20 guys jumping in that ring. So in the older days, if you couldn't really fight, you would have found out real fast. See, they put a lot of people in the wrestling business now that never been in a fist fight a day in their life. They've never been in a fight a day in their life. Because now they know it's acting. Now they know it's a show. But back in my day, we were going to, that was one of the ways of drawing money. You know that, right? 
We're going to a bar that's supposed to be have tough guys, especially Harley Race was known for this. He would go to a bar and just start knocking people out. Jesus. Harley Race would do that. You ask CM Punk, CM Punk trained with well trained by Harley Race. Now he can change himself. He sees Harley Race knock people out of the bars all the time. I see Harley Race beat up uh, Butch Reed back when he was managing uh, Vader. So he was an old man then, but he still could whoop the Butch Reed. Wow. Who was like this. Yeah. Sweet handsome. Uh, beat up a bunch of uh, people all the time in bars. I mean, it, Wahoo. You just brought up Wahoo. Wahoo was known for bar fighting. The Moolah. Moolah's uh, 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 saved Randy Orton's uh, grandfather from being stabbed in a bar fight. Wow. So bar fight was common. What happened? We get arrested. The promoter would come and bail us out. They let us go. You pay the fan, whatever it is. You pay the fan. But you're in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Now all the fans want to come and see these two wrestlers. They got into a huge bar fight. That just beat up, that just cleared the bar. Mad Dog Vashon would bite off your nipple and spit it in your face and then beat you up. I kind of would totally like want to see a bar fight now. <laughs> Tony, I, I, wanna, I, I really have to ask you this question. But, um, we've spoke to you about Bruiser Brody in Puerto Rico, right? Since podcasting is becoming more and more popular, uh, one wrestler, Dutch Mantel, Right, he's becoming, you know, he's becoming, you know, the uh, podcasting darling. I always wanted to ask you, what role did Dutch Mantel play the night Bruiser Brody was murdered? He rode to the building with us, and that's the last I saw of him. Yeah. He rode to the, me, Dutch, and Brody rode to the building along with, the guy that gave us a ride was the guy that owned the, the, the bodybuilding gym. He was a bodybuilder himself. Him and his wife gave us a ride. When I walked out, Dutch Mantel and uh, Brody were sitting on the, the steps of the Tanama. I asked Brody, I said, Brody, where you ride at? Brody said, I'm waiting on him. He's running late. And I said, who are you riding with? He said, Jose. The guy that stabbed him, he, that's who he was waiting on to bring him. When we walked in the dressing room, Jose was already at the building. Him, Carlos, and the, the red-headed, light-skinned Puerto Rican guy, Victor... Uh, Rivera? Uh, his name was Victor. I can't think of his last name, but he's a real light-skinned, mm-hmm. real, real bright-skinned guy. And Jose got up and walked out of the dressing room. I sat down to draw, and uh, Jose walked up to Brody. Asked Brody, can he talk to him? Brody said, yes, turn to go in the shower. And I hear Brody holler twice. I didn't see Dutch the whole night. Did you ever question Dutch when you ran into him? Like, where were huh? you? Did well, you he ever said question he, him? Or? Well, I saw his interview. He said he walked outside. He was out in the, he walked, he said when it, when it happened, he walked out in the stadium. I, I know what he says. But you were there. So at what point do you meet up with Dutch Mantel again in your career? The next day. And do you question him? No. Why? I, I never thought about it. He said he left. So if you, when you tell me you left, there's nothing to ask you. You wasn't there. He said he left. He left. Did you he, ever wonder why he left? I'm wondering why right now. <laughs> like I'm like, you guys like, have me intense. Yeah, like... Why did you leave? Did you know something was going to happen and you wanted to make sure you weren't around it? I mean, that's my question to you. I, I never thought about it that way. To be honest with you, I never really gave it much, much thought. But what I did know that I was the only one that jeopardized the job and their safety for him. Because I remember the, the guy said, anybody want to go to the hospital with him? Nobody moved. They say anybody wanted to help, put him in the ambulance. Nobody moved. They didn't even want. It. They didn't want to be within ten feet of him. The show went on. You know, the show went on like nothing happened. Why didn't anyone want to do anything? That's right. The show goes on like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. I walked back from the. When I got back from the hospital. They was laughing and joking. You would never think a man was stabbed. With the, with the, when I walked in that dressing room, nobody was sad. Nobody was unhappy. They were bragging about their match. What? That's right. That's insanity. Well, see, wrestlers 
in wrestling, Klondike Bill told me, he said, kid, when you finish this business, if you have one friend, one friend, consider yourself lucky. Wrestlers are not your friends. They're your business associates. They are your business associate. When you when you break into wrestling, not one person walk up to say, "Welcome to wrestling." They don't say that. They say, "Welcome to the business." I didn't know I was in the business after I got out the business. Then mm -hmm. I found out it's a business. They would say, "Do anything during the time if they're making money with you." Once you can't make them no money or book them or whatever, they got no time for you. I feel like that's so wrong, though. You well, guys that's risk right, your lives wrestling is to an individual sport. All my students, I train, I, I teach what wrestling. I say, I'm Burger King, you McDonald's, you Wendy's, you KFC, you Popeye. You all in the food industry business, and if one industry could put the other industry out of business, they do it in a heartbeat. There's no way that Burger King and Wendy's ever gonna be friends. Popeye and Kentucky Fried Chicken is never gonna be friends. Tony well, Atlas and another wrestler are never going to be friends. Well, They're my business associates. And it took me a long, long time to digest that. Most of the f people that I would say were my friend were people I met outside of the business. And when all these guys leave, while they're on TV, they're the greatest thing on St. Sliced Bread. But as soon as they no longer with Vince, it's like they don't even exist. They forget about you so quickly. They, they, we boycotted the show with the Brody thing because Abdullah told us to boycott it. But then he lied on, on the dark side of the ring and said there was no meeting. There was a meeting. Right. We had a meeting. Tony, I don't want to cut you short because we have an appointment to go to. You're coming back tomorrow. You're going to be joining us on okay. some other interviews, right? So don't worry, folks. You'll get more Tony Atlas. But I want to give my superstar co-host one final question with you before we call it a night and we go to our appointment. She's too young for me. <laughs> Whoa! I know that's going to break your heart, little lady, but... I'm watching my uh, sugar intake there. My daughter just turned 45, <laughs> so, so anything below 45, it, uh, it, I got it. I, I don't, 60, I swear, for me, so how, did you, how did you know that was going to be the question? To all you 60-year-old hot mamas out here, I'm, I'm right here, baby. <laughs> 60 and up, Tony is ready. 60 and up. Anything under 60, you go home to your mama. Good stuff. All right, Tony, my question is, do you like my shoes? No, they, they make me. I don't want to. They make me think about church. <laughs> what is it with I hate with, heels. These are red bottoms. They're not sexy. Ah, oh, they're horrible. <laughs> Ugly shoes. All right, Tony, we're going to our. You put on a pair of this van. You got to be talking then, kiddo. <laughs> He's back tomorrow. We can wear flatter I'll shoes. I'll wear flatter, flatter shoes. Flatter oh, shoes. We have to wear platforms. <laughs> we might have flatter shoes. Tony, always an honor. We'll see you tomorrow. See, and, when I look uh, at her shoe, you know what I want to say. What do you want to say? <clears throat> Amazing. I knew it. I knew it. And grace. You can send us out with this one. How Ready? sweet a sound. <laughs> you say.